Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand, and this is where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. Hey, everybody. Happy October. We have entered a new month, and uh, it feels pretty good. Although, I will say I'm now under the gun when it comes to getting Sparrow ready for offshore sailing. I've got basically a month to go. The mast is still off the boat, but it has new wires, it has new lights, and uh, we're that much closer to getting it put back on the boat, and then a few more things. But today I was very fortunate to be able to sit down with Jenny and talk about whales and talk about, I don't know, we went off into the weeds on all sorts of different subjects and sailing and everything, and it was really interesting. And like I always say, it's it's really quite remarkable to me that people will spend their time uh, sitting and chatting with me and I, I never never want to take that for granted. So big thanks to Jenny for coming in and uh, it was a wonderful conversation. Uh, but before we begin, like I always say, if you want to support the podcast, uh, you can click the link in the description, head over to Patreon, become part of my illustrious crew that is 26 strong now. Thank you for the new additions recently. Um, all your support is is very, very very welcome at this point uh, as trips to the uh, the chandlery to get more parts for the boat and more lines and things like that are uh, absolutely coming in handy and a little bit more available uh, with all your help. So thank you to everybody who's been supporting this show and keeping it going. That's why I keep it going as well. And uh, so big thanks there. And then if you want to reach out to the show, just head over to sailingintooblivion.com and I will be doing a show pretty soon, hopefully this week, about uh, getting to answer some of the uh, other emails and such that I've been getting and not putting off, but I want to gather enough to really have enough content for, for a whole show. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jenny. People's time is their most valuable commodity that we have, and when yeah, people well, spend it with me. You're doing me a great favor because I would just—I I didn't have any other plans today. So oh, that's nice! <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. for, on a very windy Sunday, when I woke yeah. up uh, this morning, it was just blowing. And you know, when when I'm in a marina, uh, if there's one boat that has a slapper, a halyard that's right, hitting the right. mast, it's annoying. I want to go climb on board and tie those halyards <laughs> yeah. to the to the shrouds. But in the boatyard this morning, and even now, still, you know, you've got 50 masts that are doing it, and all of a sudden, it kind of sounds uh, nice, like an orchestra or something. Exactly, yeah. it's like the boat the boatyard symphony is what I call right. it. So yeah, it's absolutely. it's really fun. Yeah. Um, but I I guess. What I wanted to sort of, I was shocked when I read the the article about the whales because I've been to Dominica. I love Dominica. And I actually got to meet, I forget his name. You probably know it, but he's known down there as the Whale Whisperer. Is it Patrick Dykstra? No. He lives there. He's uh, oh, okay. from Dominica. They go out on this big catamaran sailboat okay. right nope. from Portsmouth. Nope. Somebody different than... Oh, it was another what? person. Oh, okay. Well, we... I, I went down with a wildlife photographer, um, Patrick Dykstra, and he does, he's, he 
is a professional photographer, works for BBC or National Geographic or, you know, whoever he... So he'll take a small group of people, usually four or five people, on some of his expeditions. And so I was fortunate to yeah, do you, three. Yeah, you just reached out to him and he was like, yep. I Exactly. I I saw some footage on um on Facebook. Uh-huh. Some footage of him, uh, some drone footage he had taken in a fjord in northern Norway of these um, orcas. You know, you could see it. You know, the water was fairly clear. It was, you know, a nice sandy bottom. And... And there were uh, orcas and um, rounding up herring that had just come in from from um, offshore. For oh, the where they're working as a team and and yeah. Basically... So the, the herring comes in and 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 the orcas follow because they they come into a fjord and 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 the orcas go all right. You Here know, we and go. So they're they, penned up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they start creating these herring balls, and so I saw this footage of um, of the orcas. Doing a making up a a, a um a bait ball yeah, and at the end of the footage, you know, it was really impressive. And and at the end, it says, you know, it's Patrick Dykstra, and he, you know, sometimes takes people on on some of his expeditions with him. And I like instantly got on my email. I researched his um email address yeah, and reached you get to out his to him. Contact page and got went right on it emailed him like I, I just like it's funny how I can be sometimes it's just like I know when I'm being called to something it's really powerful yeah yeah and so I um emailed him and I think I heard back like really fast yeah I'm doing that same trip in you know in six weeks and I've got somebody backed out they've already paid their deposit you know it's it was just it's like, like perfect. magical and I was obviously meant to be on that trip and I'll tell you getting in the water in the middle of a feeding frenzy with orcas and humpbacks it's just I was I was rereading my own stuff this morning and you know that's one of the gifts of this podcast for me is that it because I needed to refresh my memory. It's been, you know, yeah, been a go few, go over it a few little. years. Right. So, um, because this Dominico was in 2018, and um, so I was trying to remember that feeling of being in that cold water with a dry suit, so I was warm. Um, it was about 40 degrees, and in that, you know, the northern climate where we never saw the sun. Oh, it was really? either sunrise or sunset. All and that's the, it. Yeah. So what what time of year is that then? The end of November. End of November. And you're in Norway? Yeah. Holy up, cow. Yeah, so that's above way Above an north. Arctic circle. We were up, up in a, a small village tr called Tromvik where they have 10 full-time residents. Oh, really? Um, oh, it's neat. It's a tiny little place. And um, so we'd go out and we'd have about four or five hours of, of daylight and go you know straight out in the boat and we'd immediately see whales and um sometimes um sometimes we'd go in the water sometimes not but when we well let's see on top side it was just madhouse you know just whales surfacing constantly and yeah, just like yeah. hordes of them but that's just like like the tip, literally the tip of the iceberg. I couldn't what's, even imagine. I what, mean, what's going on beneath thinking the like surface? We're going down there. Yeah. Oh my god. It gosh. was snorkeling, so you know it was like a bird's eye view. 
still being in the water when these things are eating stuff. I know. <laughs> I tip my hat to you, Jenny. Thank That's you. crazy. Thanks, yeah. I don't know where this fearlessness came from, but you know, I'm I'm like I'm anxious like doing a podcast, right? But right. but I don't mind getting in the water with orcas. These happen to be fish eating orcas. Yeah, so, yeah, right. That's the only reason I was comfortable, <laughs> but just, you know, still. So, you know, and I have such reverence for them that, you know, it's just like. Oh, they're I was unbelievable, just, aren't they? They are. And, you know, so I guess I wanted to share a couple of things about the feeling of being in, in yeah. the water oh, with this going do. on. Please do. Because it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, one time we were actually in the water in the middle of a feeding frenzy. So there were orcas darting all around me all the time, just, you know, so cool. And, and a couple of times I had humpbacks go right beneath me, like, like a freight train, silent freight train Holy going cow. right beneath me. Um, Oh, so the humpbacks were with the, yeah. The, so the, 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 the humpbacks came in, Sort of following the orcas, I get. I don't know how word spreads because they've they've got. Oh, their I'm own. sure they hear it. They feel the vibrations <laughs> and, yeah, and all that. Exactly. They're they're sending out a lot of um, sound waves and echolocation and all that. So I guess they they pick up on the action and, and humpbacks and and orcas don't ordinarily. <laughs> they're not ordinarily yeah, pals, but they right. do work together. The the humpbacks basically take advantage of what the of what the orcas are doing. Yeah, they're a little bit bigger, so they're sort of like and, yeah. out of the way. Right, right. <laughs> so the the humpbacks, the orcas get this beautiful bait ball going, and then the the humpbacks just come in mouth wide open and come charging through the bait ball. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah. So um. Yeah, so I just happened to be there when a couple of humpbacks would just cruising right beneath i mean right, right there. beneath me and how what size wise are, are they 40 foot 50 foot like around that range you know I, it must be hard to judge it is hard to judge and i'm i'm not a great memory i don't have a great memory of, of data and stuff like that but i mean a humpback they're big you they're know, big. probably 50 feet yeah you know, seriously your brain was probably telling you 100 you're like well, no, wow I, yeah. It's like when you I know, see waves out on the ocean, I'm like, that's the biggest wave I've ever right, seen. <laughs> right, right, Fish story kind of thing. Um, you know, when I was in the water with them, I, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just in total awe oh. and and mind completely blown. Was there any uh, eye contact? With these whales, no, because I, I, like, I feel like they were aware that I was there, but I was... Um, of no concern to them. They just, oh, you yeah. know, I was just a, literally a fly on the wall. So, um, that's why after that experience, I moved on to, um, you know, I, 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 I had an intimate experience with them, but what I really wanted was more of a, of an intimate connection with a whale. Yeah. Like you know? a personal, like, you know, the whale knows you're there. And yeah, you're, you're and sort you're of in this moment together. You're connecting yeah. in a way. Yeah. Well, because they, I've always considered them to be very intelligent. Uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but sentient beings. Like they think and they have families, and they, you know, they're they're not just an animal to me. Yeah, you know they're I mean? really, you know, in 
in my mind, they're like people of the sea. Yeah, I was and, just going to say that. And yet, that said, I think that their, um, their level of consciousness and their they're I think they exceed us in a lot of ways to be honest with you I, they have a, a type of um perception that consciousness researchers have have said they they're these whales are picking up information about other beings around them like their emotional health and their physical health their emotional state of being um and that they can do that for thousands of miles I mean it's just it, we we can't understand what they're picking up yeah, because it's yeah. a totally different um, type of um, perception. Well, and we've never been able to decode their language, the the whale songs or any of that exactly. stuff. It's still yeah. just a complete mystery, but we know they communicate and we know they have these family units and everything. I mean, exactly. I know it, it, it changes, doesn't it, between whales, like the way sperm whales orient their family units would be different than humpbacks wouldn't it yeah again i i haven't done i i haven't done a huge amount of research for me personally i'm all about the experience and the connection mm. and not as much about the 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 information and, and well don't worry you're the I, I, you're the foremost whale expert on this podcast so <laughs> kudos on that <laughs> um so yeah i I mean, I could push the limits here and say there are people, some of whom I, I actually know, who are deep meditators and have actually channeled some information from whales. So you know, it can go pretty. You can, you can, you know, there's you there's can a get lot really out there it. to um to indicate that they're 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 pretty amazing creatures. Oh, I I definitely agree. <laughs> I I think they're. I mean. I would never say they're they're prehistoric. I don't know how long they've they've been around as far as, you know, uh when you think of like the human evolution um of when we were like real kind of what we are now, whales have probably been around a lot longer than that, I would think. Uh again, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I have this feeling that they I don't know, like you said, I kind of almost feel like they they exceed um they exceed in life, I think, sometimes better yeah. than we do uh, in a lot of respects. I, you know, I, for instance, I've always felt bad when I see lots of, of like fishing debris and plastics and stuff like that in the oceans. And one of the thoughts that I always have is, boy, we could just be doing a lot better than this. Exactly. I know. And, a lot of times they'll find a whale, you know, and, and study it. Uh, it, uh, you know, a dead oh, whale on the plastic bags right, and fish and stuff. Yeah. Let alone all the the footage of you know whales that get caught up in, in yeah, nets. And yeah, yeah, it's really some it's of tragic. those videos are pretty cool where they you can see divers go in and try and cut it free. and, yep. and, and you the, almost see that. And the whales will show gratitude. Afterwards. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're I think they're very wise creatures. Let's let's, let's leave it. Yeah, at that. I think we can instead yeah. of yeah instead of speculating, yeah. I think we can say that for a fact. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, so for me with whales, I like I say I, I just I really wanted that that sense of connection with them, and and so. Um, I went on and did a couple other expeditions with Patrick. Um, I went to uh, Sri Lanka to to be in the oh, water yeah. with a blue whale, and 
They're wow. tricky because they're not interested in humans. No, they're yeah, they're, they're really very shy elusive and elusive species. and evasive. So Patrick actually is quite quite good at align sort of lining up the boat. You know, he studies their their breathing pattern and can can tell you know when they're going to surface based on how many breaths they've we've witnessed them taking and diving and and he could line the boat up and and then we'd get in the water and and try to time it just right for to to line up with a whale passing by so i actually was in the water with a blue whale who happened to have a calf on the other side of her we didn't see when we were in the water but when he studied his footage afterwards oh wow he found a there, there was cow. a calf how so, big was that one Estimate wise, oh, ballpark. The the blues, it, probably hundred feet. You know, oh my god! Seventy five, hundred feet. I couldn't even imagine. I that. know they're they're huge. And top side, we were seeing, we were getting some amazing sights of them because we could get right next to one top side. You know. Right, right. They they didn't mind the boat. It's just they they were shy of people. If people come in the water, they sort of yeah take disappear. Off. Uh, but very fast, they'll they'll be gone. I can't even I I mean I've I've obviously encountered plenty of of humpbacks on the way past George's Bank and mm. Stellwagen Bank and all that and then I've seen uh I think I had a a pretty awesome encounter with some uh fin whales I believe in the Indian Ocean mm. they were very curious they came right up to the side of the boat and they swam alongside oh. Sparrow they were in the 30 to 35 foot range mm. but a blue whale a hundred feet long, That's... even a blue whale that was sixty feet long, so yeah. twice the size of this boat. I don't even, I can't even fathom that. That would scare me half to death. I, I must admit, they're, whales they're benevolent, scare me. Though they, they're, you know, the they have no reason to to bother you. So, if anything, they'd be an asset. I think. I think so too, but I, you know, I've you also, i a big. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've read plenty of the stories of accidental collisions and oh, things like that with right. whales, and that that always enters my head somehow when sure. when they start coming around. But yeah, I haven't I haven't done passages like that, so I I'm not tuned into that piece. Well, I I just feel like I hope my good vibes sort of uh, echo, so to speak, Absolutely. through the boat, and they realize that uh, I mean them no harm and and Absolutely. all that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how long were you in Sri Lanka? Those must have been very difficult to actually spot and find. Um the blue whale, how did we I know with the um sperm whales we found them with with hydrophones. Um Yeah, cuz they do the clicking. Right. Right? And you right. just have to sort of listen and point and yeah. it's like, "Oh, okay, we got clicking yeah. over there." Yeah. Well, Jumping ahead to that, um, we we had a so oh after Sri Lanka, um, I guess a year later I did a trip to Dominica to because I really you know I was still after that that intimate connection that you know the eye contact that whole thing so yeah. I had I had to try one more trip and Patrick said that that um, sperm whales are not shy of people in fact. I come to find out they're very curious about people and they will immediately approach you in the water. So, um, um, lost my train of thought. So anyway, my very first time in the water with a sperm whale, it, it I was with, um, two other people, I guess. And 
it just immediately turned towards us and started coming towards us with its mouth open because they have teeth where they receive their information through their teeth. Oh, really? So they come at you with that. their mouths wide open. Um, so they oh, can, so get... they can check you out. Yeah. So they're checking out like you know, I don't know what they're picking up. Probably physical health, emotional state of being. Who knows? But oh my god, it's really cool. So they check you out, and then she she turned a big big female, and then she turned um, turned in such a way that we could swim alongside her. Oh my gosh! And we were about twenty feet away, and I got. I got the eye contact I dreamed of. So, really? Yeah. And they have big time. Their eyes are like dinner plates, right? They're well, big. You know, or am I? I was not struck that? in that. I mean, they they actually have fairly small eyes. In, as far as whales go. Yeah. Um, well, at least that's the impression I was left with. Is just you know, there's that sweet little eye, you know, but it's looking right right at me you know and and she stayed slow so that we could swim along besides beside her so holy smokes and that was my first experience with in the water and you know we did this for i don't know five or six days one day um you know again for, with locating sperm whales you you need to to find the clicking mm -hmm. and one day we came upon something where there is no clicking and it's only by pure magic or miracle, whatever, um, that we came upon this, we came upon seven sleeping whales. Oh. And oh. they sleep vertically. Yeah. And how we found them, I, I do not know. Um, a couple friends of mine and I that were on the trip together would do invocations at the side of the boat every time we would go out. You know, we would talk to, to, the, to um, you know, the the angel of all things marine or something, hey, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and just say, you know, you know, we're so grateful to be here and, you know, show us what, what's for the highest good of all of us. And, and, um, we'll just take in whatever comes and, you know, just showing our gratitude. And I don't know if it was, if Patrick said, you know, I don't know what you guys used to do on the side of the boat, but whatever you did worked. Yeah. You know, do it again. <laughs> this is such a rare event to come upon, sleeping whales well because yeah they're they're not clicking and they sleep below the surface vertically right because exactly. i saw in the picture in that article and exactly. that yeah i mean at first glance it just it doesn't seem right at all and then you sort of see the outline and everything and and there's yeah it's like you said there were seven of them yeah five five adult females and two calves um it's it's really a sweet picture because you can see one of the calves that she may even be nursing. I don't know because it's right next to her mom. And so they would be sleeping for about 20 minutes or so, and they would surface and, and come up for breath. Um, they, they need to reoxygenate their blood. Mm -hmm. And then they go back down. And go take another nap. Take another nap. And this is what they did. And we spent about four hours with these guys, and it was it was the most mind-blowing thing you can imagine. I I can't even <laughs> imagine that. I don't even like to jump in the water if there's dolphins around. They're just it's oh. just for me for me I don't know what it is. I think it's just a fear of of large animals and I love seeing them mm -hmm. from the safety of my boat mm -hmm. or a whale watching boat or something like that. We used to do that when we were kids. Um but the idea of getting in there and I know 
I know if I ever reached that far-flung island of Tonga, oh. they also do yeah. snorkeling with the humpbacks that over there. My, that's one of my dreams. I don't know if I'll make it, but... Oh, yeah, I'm sure you will. Just keep asking the universe for it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that that would be awesome. Because those are... There's very few places in this world where you can do that, where they actually have expeditions where you can get in the water with, with the whales. And yeah. I know Tonga's one, Dominica... And Dominica was really, uh, it's an exceptional place because it's the sperm whales, but it's only the females. They're resident. Yeah. Yeah. They just hang, because it's, Dominica just jets straight down, yep. you know, it's cliffs. And I think yep. they're going for, don't they eat squid mostly? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So they can just hang out there. And then the males, the bull males and stuff, they're out just in the Wandering ocean. Wandering the seas. Yep. And they're typically the more, I guess you would say, ferocious. Hmm. Um, not, not that they are meaningfully ferocious, right. but they're the ones that, you know, have to fight each other and, right. and all right. that stuff. Do their and... macho thing. Holy <laughs> smokes. I, yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing that, that whale watching boat go out from Portsmouth. Were you going out of Roseau? Oh, shoot. I'm not sure I can remember what, where we were leaving from. All I remember is that that um, there was they had just been hit by a, a nasty hurricane, so a lot of stuff was was knocked out. Like the 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 ramp, the you know the dock that we were supposed to walk out on to mm. our boat um, had been completely taken away. It just it didn't exist anymore. Yeah. And so we were climbing these weird ladders, and you know, and to get up to get out to our boat. Was it right near where where you took off? What the the dock that it was tied up to was that it wasn't Pitcairn Beach where they have the little brown cabins that people stay in and it has that tiny little restaurant. Oh gosh! And All I can that... remember was there was a little dive shop right at the, right at the end of the dock. Oh, there's a dive shop at the end of the dock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, my normal haunt there is always uh, Portsmouth because uh, one of the greatest human beings i've ever met mm. eustace he has a little water sports center and hobie cats and and mm, uh cool. he, he's you know he's born there and everything i worked with him in the british virgin islands and just he is like perfect ambassador for a place like dominica just happy hey. loves showing the island off mm -hmm. and i did you get to do any of the uh other stuff uh on dominica any of the hikes or anything no no, just it's whales. all about being on the water all with, about the with the whales. Yeah. Well, and also because it, it's a filming expedition for Patrick, you know, so we would, you know, we'd be setting, you know, I'd watch him sending out drones and. Oh, really? You know, especially, you know, he definitely went to town photographing the those sleeping whales. Oh, really I'm powerful. sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that can't be. The, the amount of, of work and footage that you must have to peel through to, to actually yeah. put something together like that i couldn't even imagine i'm trying to do like youtube stuff and <laughs> boggling my mind yeah right did it end up getting made into like a little documentary i don't i don't know what you know i i honestly don't know what he's there's a new film out right now about patrick called patrick and the whale um and i don't i don't know much about it i, I think it might be bbc production oh okay um, but it'd be worth tracking down yeah i'll have to check that out maybe have some old stock oh. footage of you down there <laughs> right good eyeballing the whales there there's a 
a couple really cool shots of me right above the, those sleeping whales. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I have it in my living room. Um, one thing I wanted to add about that, again, you know, sort of pushing the envelope a little bit into expand our our thoughts further out there. Um, according to sort of conventional wisdom, they were sleeping, right? Yeah. But if you ask an animal communicator what they were doing, they were meditating. I, I actually had um, really? an animal communicator look at that photograph of me with the whales and the sleeping whales, and she said they told her to tell me that they weren't sleeping they were meditating so really <laughs> so just to kind of stretch our yeah our thinking yeah. a little bit you know who knows i i don't i don't have any belief one way or the other I, i'm just open to all of it so well i think anything anything is absolutely possible um exactly and the power of of the mind not only ours but of a whale's it's still such a mystery well, and part of the problem with that, the power of our minds is that we discount things that we hear that, that don't seem yes. to fit our normal, you know, our normal lives. So Right, right. Uh, well, and it's not, yeah, I think, I think in, there was something, I forget what podcast it was. I think it was Lex Friedman and the, he's talking to a gentleman and they were, they're basically talking about one of the, the really interesting aspects of your mind is not how much input you can take in and your mind will process but how much get, it gets filtered out because i mean we're we're constantly being inundated with everything from yeah. you know just what's going on here and noises out there and we're able to still just carry on a conversation while our five senses are getting all of this information um let alone maybe six cents who knows yeah you right know, exactly right? you know <laughs> i i always thought it was pretty interesting um with dogs i have a friend of mine that he he was have they they've had this golden retriever for a long time sweetest dog you could ever want loves everybody mm. and he had somebody that he had worked with in the past over to his house wasn't really great friends with him. Um, in all honesty, probably didn't like him at all, but was sort of doing it. And it was the one person that that dog growled at and didn't like and didn't want mm. pet. And I was, I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, the dog's obviously reacting to you. But even though you're trying to sort of be like, yeah, you know, you're my friend and all stuff, if really internally, you don't like that person. The dog is obviously picking up on your true feelings. And I've always thought that's very true and very interesting how that can happen. We are, we are fields of energy. You know, we have energy around us and those, those can be perceived, you know, by other beings for sure. Yeah. I, I do wish, you know, that, um, maybe, you know, some of this stuff, um, the whole idea of having an aura, there are people that claim that they can, you know, see or sense the aura around us. And it's essentially your mood, correct? Well, it's it's affected by your mood, but you know, again, we are we're we're energetic beings, you know, mm -hmm. electromagnetic beings. Um I forget how it goes. The thoughts are electric and uh feelings are magnetic. I, I may have that backwards, but um so we're um we have fields of energy around us. We, 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 you know, we're not just limited to 
to what's sitting right here in this chair. So, yeah, so we, you can, some people can see it. I, I have seen it on occasion um, around somebody, not mostly over the head, which is where it would be the strongest. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's affected by, you know, where, where you're at, you know, there are different, different colors of it. And there are some people who can read them, you know, in terms of they can analyze them. Based, yeah, right. Based and it, on the colors. I, I've always thought, uh, even since I was younger, I always kind of felt like I was kind of a, at least a good judge of, of character as far as, you know, if I meet a new person, I kind of know rather quickly whether it's a nice person or is somebody who's really up to no good and has, you know, not the greatest intentions and stuff. Absolutely. And I don't know if that's, you know, me just being able to sort of pick up on their aura or whatever. Um, but it has helped me in a lot of situations where, you know, new people have entered into my little life area, so to speak, whether it be like, for example, if somebody were to come up here to Maine and start, you know, bring their boat up or something. It's totally hypothetical, but then you just sort of get the bad feeling. And then it ends up that they're like stealing stuff of all off all the boats, you know, mm -hmm. six months later, but they've got everybody fooled, you know, yeah, that don't, sort of thing. Don't ever discount that because it's, it's intuition and it's absolutely, it's probably the most trustworthy thing you can do is, is intuit something about someone. It's very, very reliable in my well, opinion. And I think, you know, sometimes the, whether it's the universe or whatever tends to throw it right into your face. Uh, there was a guy who bought a boat here last year, or the year before Tom, and he actually sat on the podcast with me and he had hitchhiked around the U S for years when he was a, like a teenager. Um, and then there was one day he was standing on the side of the freeway and a car passed and he had this overwhelming, like bolt of lightning feeling that he needed that car to stop and the car passed and he's just like looking at it. And then the car stops. Long story short, they end up getting married and it's his, his future wife. And she had felt essentially the exact same thing. And this is back in like the seventies, I believe. So oh a, a woman God. pulling over and picking up a male hitchhiker, right? it probably wasn't a common thing, but it was one of those things where they had both felt that. I just Strange. got shivers. I yeah, love that right? stuff because you know you, you there are countless stories like that. Countless. Yeah, it it really there's there is this miraculous side of life. I okay, so I've got one for you. How about we knew each other about? I mean, I guess you'd seen me in the boatyard working on on mustros or something. Yeah, the spring, yeah. But but you know we've we've never spoken to more than a few words to each other, if that. And and you, I don't know what 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 prompted you, but you you invited me to do a podcast, and and you don't know me from a hole in the wall, you know. <laughs> and, and but but I turns out I did have a few things to talk oh, about, heck and, yeah. and I'm so you know it's just well, and you're a sailor, and I always love having sailors on here. I I find the the sailing community to be such a tight knit, and sort of there's this common ground that this podcast has always sort of used that as the backbone, but more and more it just branches off into anything and everything else. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I was so proud of you guys pulling in that slip. And <laughs> I was pretty proud of it too. Well, actually. I always, I mean, 
we Dave and I actually did a, a short podcast about you know what what you should do to prepare to haul haul your boat out, and it's funny because there's a few people that haul out in the yard that listen to the podcast and. All of a sudden, you know, one of the things Dave said is, you know, show up a day before and bring a picture of your boat in the sling so we know where to put the straps. And now it seems like every oh. other person that comes in, it's like, I got my picture. Here, oh, wow. take a look. And, and it, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I never but... have thought of that. Yeah, well, because it, it's, it's one of those things where you always think you'll remember it from year to year for us because we, you know, trying to, when we haul out a boat, we're we're aiming for in between the rudder and the prop shaft. Mm. And the prop shaft is the tricky one because if yeah. we if we even pick the boat halfway up out of the water and it's Ooh. on that, you pretty much bent it already. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, there's no going back. So we always like to know exactly where but you know, Jim and Dave have been doing it for decades, mm-hmm. right? And you would think that they would have them all memorized, but there's just oh, so God, many no. boats. It's oh. yeah, it's like, well, where do we want it on this? There are a few oddballs that we always know. Wow, but... I'm so glad you told me this because you know, I, I don't think Tom and I've ever, I don't think we've ever thought of that. I don't. Oh really? No, yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah. of like, well, that's just something they do. You know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like for us. Leave it to the professionals. <laughs> well, essentially, and and we've got enough to do because we have to put um, on Tom's boat. We have to take the mizzen down, the mizzen mast, yeah. and and um, and we have to back the boat in to mm-hmm. the slip, and and we back to port. And you know, if the ferry's in, it creates the eddy, and you know, it's just like. That's why I was so nervous bringing Bliss in because she, we we've always had such uh, stress about bringing Mustros in because we yeah. bring her in backwards, and um, and it's a huge boat. I mean, it fills boat. the slip it and really, really like right to the edge. And it tests out this. We've got new straps, luckily for the for the lift now. But it's when that one goes up because what does it weigh? Thirty, forty. 40? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, I know. It's so heavy. I mean, you can hear it creaking, groaning on the on right. the straps, and I'm always like, "Whoa, geez. Yeah. But I think that one that must be the heaviest boat in the yard. Oh, interesting. I believe so. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because yeah, she's you know she's all steel and yeah. Oh yeah. But I I must say yeah when 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 I went and talked to you on the dock before, and it was. Because we didn't have our launch boat in. Because normally that's what they would do, right? They oh, would yeah. Tie off to you and bring you in. Well, we've only b- brought Bliss in here once before, and that's, oh, okay. and that's what we did. Yeah. And, like, you know, I've got a, our, our crew's not used to dealing with this stuff so much. So, yeah. Well, you did amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And I, the best part was after you got it in there, just how. Either, even it, it may seem like a small little accomplishment, but it must have felt great. Oh, I was psyched, yeah, because, yeah, it the experience on Bliss is so different for me. I'm I'm used to I've been the maid on Mustros for for eight years, and you know, managing that boat with Tom is is a whole nother ball game. And but but operating this smaller boat, I I don't have small boat experience, and and it's been a you know a real growth spur, growth curve for me um learning curve and i'm i'm there mostly to support these a uh, couple of older gentlemen that are one of whom's never sailed before he's 84 years old oh <laughs> he's really never sailed before wow well i guess a couple of times but he's never had his own boat before and then the other um the other man has sailed like like 
like crazy as a kid. Like he was just sailing all over the islands and doing all this cool stuff. But and he was, you know, it sounded like he was pretty fearless. But you know, when you get older, you just, you know, you get a little more timid. And 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 even I have. But um, I love getting them out there and and um, working with it, working with them as a team. And, and yeah. uh, I've I've had to have had to you know to to skipper that boat a few times and and it can be nerve-wracking having full responsibility for a boat yeah, it can. you know it i definitely can i've always been the mate and i you know being the skipper is like oh my god well and especially when you have other people on the boat the pressure's even more so not only that you're responsible for them right uh but you i have an audience you know when i'm solo sailing yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say I'm the captain of the boat, but I'm like the sole crew member. I I, I consider, uh, you know, myself and Mighty Sparrow to be just partners in crime. Absolutely. So to speak. Yeah. But, yeah. oh, man, that's pretty cool. But it is nice to uh, to be able, you know, as you do, we all have to think about that. You get older. And even with something like sailing, which isn't the most uh, physically intensive sport it can be. But it's not totally, but still it's you demanding in different ways, you know, like, yeah. like I, I find, you know, we've my my crew on Bliss, they'll they'll often forget to watch for traffic. And I'll say, you know, David, do you see that ferry coming? And, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, don't forget, we've got to pass port to port. And, you know, I, it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's cool. And, and that's... it's a fast sailing boat, too. Yeah. What what type of boat was it? It's a Soling. And a they're, Soling, they're yeah. like. For years, they've been the Olympic sailing boat. Um, I, I don't know too much about that, so I can't, can't go into it, but um, they're they're very fast. Definitely a race boat. Yeah, it has that big keel and very, Tall very mass. narrow beam. Yeah, I mean, that it had all the handholds. You can really tell a race boat when it's got the handholds all along the rail so mm-hmm. that you can make your crew hike way out there and all that. We haven't needed to so much, but... But we can if we need to. Do you yeah. guys race that boat at all? No. 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 We, yeah. Just cruising. Not ready for that yet. But cruising fast. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, we we have a blast out there. Now with with the other boat, and is it must rose or yeah. must ruse? It's must rose. Must rose. It, it, that's Estonian for dark rose. Ooh. <laughs> She's um, connected with a. a band of professional pirates um the pirates of the dark rose that we do family entertainment uh, like windjammer festivals and stuff oh very cool yeah so we'll we'll even you know sort of reenact little sea battles out in the water and um shoot a eight gun broadside and oh very cool <laughs> with black powder and um so that boat that's a whole yeah holy mackerel i i that's like a real, I mean, not to interrupt you, but when I, I can remember the first time I pulled into Night Marine seeing that, uh, I think it was over by Ty Tugboat, and I was like, that's a cool boat. What is going on with that? And and then meeting Tom and, and then launching it and all that. And it's, yeah. it's like a pirate ship. It really yeah, is. It, it's it's an honor to be the mate on that boat. It really is. Um, Tom's wife had passed away, and he needed someone to help him sail it, and I happened to be available. Mm. And I, at, you know, the rest is history. I've been doing it ever since. How many years now? Eight. 
Eight years. Wow. Yeah. Well, we t- we had a couple years off be- because Tom had knee surgery and various things, but um, we've still, you know, even those years have had to do maintenance and tar the shrouds and stuff like that. Yeah, because it's it's really a traditionally rigged. Uh, ship. Did he build the hull? He built every Everything. inch of that. The anchors, the the woodwork, the everything. Absolutely everything on that boat he made. I have I've always felt so much awe when I'm like either get to sail on or at least just see a boat that someone actually just built themselves. Yeah. I could not fathom doing that i mean i love mighty sparrow but i love the fact that it was built by professionals (laughs) (laughs) if that makes any sense absolutely Uh, well it took tom 16 years to build this thing. yeah holy smokes yeah yeah it's pretty cool and it's so it's a steel hull and it's it's a it's because there's a whole class of boats out there that are modeled after joshua slocum's spray exactly that's she's she's modeled after spray um She's a, let's see, a gaff rigged yawl. Okay, so set, the and she sets a topsail. So the mizzen mast, the second mast, is aft of the helm. Yeah. And then it has a topsail, so that means it has the yard arm, which gives it that pirate ship right sort of yeah. look to it. But that's it, that's my favorite sail. It's really fun to use. I remember watching you guys put all that stuff up on the dock uh, oh, yeah. earlier this spring, and just uh-huh. being I. So much fun to know that stuff now. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, that to me is is still pretty big mystery. When when I look at any sort of large traditional sailing ship, there's just so many lines I can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. And what was it like to walk on that thing for the first time? That you just nailed it. I I the first time Tom took me out there, we were trying to figure out you know if this was going to be a, you know workable partnership for sailing you know sailing partners and. Um, I've only sailed, you know, conventional, you know, sloops and that yeah, kind of thing. modern and, stuff. Right? Yeah, modern stuff. So I I get into off that onto that boat and I'm just blown away at at you know there are pin rails here there and everywhere with with you know endless lines, and it it took it took um it took several years to really really get them down, but I now know that boat I. You know, I'll take a quick detour. I I feel like a boat has a soul. You know. Oh yeah. You know, you and and Mighty Sparrow and she's you know. a sassy old beast. This one. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I feel the soul of that boat, Mustros. You know, I just feel like she and I are. I, I'm, you know, to, to, I'm honored to know her, every inch of her so well. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I've painted the the uh, the engine room. I've I've chipped rust out of every build, and you know, I I I I know her intimately, and it's it's an honor. Um, now that I've taken that detour, I've got to remember where I was. Well, that's all right. We just, <laughs> I, I do that all the time. And and let me ask you real quick with that with the steel. Because obviously Mighty Sparrow's fiberglass, which lends itself to a little less maintenance, um, but with steel, that's basically a battle against rust. Right. And so, is it every single year you have to go through it, find any places where rust is coming through the paint? Yeah, we're always keeping an eye on the bilges primarily, um, but you know, on on deck, like this this last spring, um, we hadn't 
we hadn't put her in the water for a couple of years and um there was so much bulging you know rust spots on yeah. on deck and we you know we had to get a needle gun out and tom was it just seemed like for days and days he was needle gunning yeah <laughs> and then you know and then george and i would come along and sand and paint and then you and have so to forth. use the the proper Oh, types of paint, you know, the primer and then because it's think, all anti-rust and right. you, with with steel in the ocean, obviously, if it was bare steel, it would just rust to pieces. Right. So you're you're essentially trying to create a nice little barrier around it. Right. I that's sort of out of my wheelhouse. I don't really know the the names of the special primer. Yeah, and yeah. The, you know that I stuff. But I'm. I think we we would treat sometimes we would just treat the rust with um, osfo. Mm-hmm. Or Coraseal, actually. Coraseal's oh, okay. our favorite. Yeah. You ever get any in, like, a cut on your hand? <laughs> no. Holy cow. Watch out. I, I had, uh, um, I used, we would use Osvo a lot in the islands on the stainless and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, just to clean it up really easily. But Yeah, that's a nasty acid. Holy cow. When it gets into a cut, I mean, it burns and burns and burns and keeps Ugh. burning. I mean, just imagine pouring, like, Coca-Cola in, in a big wound. Right. That fizzing. Because oh. I think osphoric acid is, uh, there's a small bit of that in like Diet Coke, which is oh, why geez. people use it to clean battery terminals oh and God, stuff. Oh my God, I can't believe people do Yeah, that. I know. I think, as far as I know, I've been told that. I might have to fact check that. I need, if the podcast ever gets really big, my older brother says he wants to be the guy on the computer next to it fact checking. So he'd be like, <laughs> yep, you're right. Nope, you're wrong. Oh, dear. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Mighty Sparrow's definitely taken very good care of me, and the, I think that's that's part of the relationship people have with the boat is that if you want the boat to take care of you, you need to make sure you're mm-hmm. taking care of the boat. Mm-hmm. And how? I mean, when you guys are prepping that thing, I shouldn't even call it. That's terrible. It's offensive. <laughs> no. Must must her. rose. Yeah, yeah, when you're, when taking, you're, care when you're taking care of her. Um, you know, when you haul it out, how much work are you guys going to have to do? Well, a, a fair amount because we have to bring down all those lines. So down down downrig will take a couple days. Um, and that'll be done on the dock. Is no, you, or no, is it God, just the be... yard arm that you have to get down? Yeah, the yard arm comes down on the dock, um, and the mizzen mast comes down on the dock before we bring it in to the travel lift. Um, then there are all those lines. When Once we get her on the jack stands, we're going to start downrig. Mm-hmm. Took a couple days with that, and then we have a very elaborate cover we put on her, and um, that's going to be tricky. End of October with wind, you know, gets windy and stormy and cold. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to have a nice... Uh, un unseasonably warm fall, and I only say that because I still have to do a lot of work on on Sparrow. So, <laughs> yeah. I fingers are crossed. But today, I mean, you know, this last week was beautiful. I couldn't yeah. believe how nice it was. Yeah. I was putting sunscreen on my t shirt, and it's you know end of September in Maine. Yeah, it's pretty nice. But who knows? It, it can all change so quickly. I know October. You it's, know, it's crazy, it's isn't it? It's the turning point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, we'll just sort of have to wait and see what happens. But, I, yeah, I mean, what um, when you guys are sailing that boat, how far did you take it this year? This year, I was – this was an unusual year. I was um, mate mostly for fit out. 
for getting her ready because oh, Tom okay. has since gotten married and he and his wife spend time on it. Oh, um, okay. But they've got a lot going on at home, so they, they haven't been out as much as they'd like to this season. Um, so this season um, is not it was not typical. But back when Tom and I were sailing it, um, we you know it was it was mid coast Maine stuff. We'd go we went up as far as um, Acadia. Oh, okay. Um, Bar Harbor. And one time we went down as far as uh, New Bedford, Mass for a pirate gig. Oh, really? Fort Fort Rod Fort Rodman. Now, did you do a straight shot from from essentially Matinicus right down there? Yeah. New Bedford's south of Cape Cod, correct? Yeah, so we'd go do the Cape Cod Canal. Oh, you didn't go around? No. The no. Outside? No. Crossover. George's Bank. No, it was that was a big, big expedition for the two of us actually. Well, so, that yeah, because that had to have been an overnight sail, correct? Yeah, we we took a couple friends to to help with the night. Oh, time. very cool. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, very much. Um, Did yeah. you have any wind for it? The Gulf of Maine is notorious for leaving you becalmed at night. Well, I have to say, um, this boat is is we we do a lot of motoring on that boat, mm-hmm. so it, it was um, we we. We always had the motor running, so we were okay. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. I think I, every every time I've sailed into Maine, into Rockland, which I guess is five five or six times from down south, I have been becalmed in the Gulf of Maine at least mm. one of the nights. And I, I don't motor. I just, yeah, you I'll stick just it drift out. there sure. and, and sort of enjoy the night. There was one, one time with a friend of mine, uh, we were coming up from South Carolina and it was we we had just gotten up here a little too early. We would have motored in, but as soon as you're ten miles out from Matinicus, all those lobster pots. Oh yeah. I don't. If I can't oh, yeah. see them, like oh, I yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't sail up here. You know. No. Nope. And I have a pretty well protected uh, prop and everything, nice. but nice. Mongo, my wind vane, which is an old Aries wind vane, it has that hydro blade in the in the oh. water. And if Shoot. that hooks up on one, I mean, it's a burly thing. Uh, and I've hooked up on one before and it, it made oh. it through that, but I could see it doing damage. So, yeah, we've picked up some one time it pulled the prop shaft right out. And we had, oh, really? We had to, we had to get, we had to get hauled out. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Russ, I don't know if you know him. He's got, uh, he and, uh, Elaine, they have a, uh, Cape Dory 36, I think mm. called Nutmeg. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're always out on a mooring out here. Yeah. And super nice. They they accidentally their the nuts came off and the prop came off. <gasps> they were I think sailing over near into the islands and uh somehow luckily the prop stayed in between the end of the shaft and the rudder and didn't nice. completely fall off. Yeah, yeah. But they don't know they don't know if it was just the somehow the nuts came off or if they wrapped a line and then they got pulled off or something but they you know there's that little cotter pin that goes in to stop the nuts from coming off mm-hmm. and the nuts had unscrewed right over the top of it and the Jeez. cotter pin was still there oh wow it's weird i i didn't even know that was possible wow that's wild hmm. Hmm. strange strange stuff but yeah. yeah i don't know um were you did you have any really uh i don't know pinnacle moments this summer out on the water Anything that blew you away? Well, this summer, 
I have to, which we should tap into another summer because this summer um, I really wasn't out on the water nearly as much as I I need to be. Tap away. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for well, any any like because I I have to admit I've only ever hauled out here. I've never sailed any further north mm. than Rockland Harbor in Penobscot, and then when I was headed up to do the Northwest Passage in 2020, mm. I sailed past the islands and then didn't see anything until Sable Island in Nova Scotia. So I have no experience out here. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess, I guess what I'll say is that for me, I, I sort of consider myself um, a selkie in a way. I, I, I am like, I am like a selkie, selkie in that I am always wanting to go home to the oh water. right I, all i the the sea calls to me relentlessly especially during the winter when i can't go out and can't swim in or can't get on her and i'm just it, it's you know it's just the call to, to to be out there so nothing really spectacular has to happen out there for me to be in hog heaven yeah, yeah i just and some people will go sailing and and be all excited about oh we can go ashore and we can do this really great hike and i'm like eh, go ahead have at it i'm staying right here on the water i'm a hundred percent with you on yeah that. okay cool because it seems like most people are just you know they you know they want to explore islands which is a sweet idea but it's not what i'm about i yeah i couldn't agree more i'm so glad you brought that up because people don't understand or not everybody but there's definitely some very vocal people who uh challenge some of the stuff that i do by always saying you know you're missing the point you're not stopping anywhere you need oh, to be stopping at these islands no, to explore I, the cultures and and i've I done plenty of that totally get it but there's something about being out there. And for me, it's this this physical and mental, more mental than anything, but this change that goes through, that you go through when you go out there, especially alone, which is obviously very different. But and, and when you're out there for an extended period of time, because that change, you know, the minute you step foot on land, it's like a reset. You're back mm -hmm. to that. And then you go back out. Different parts of yourself. It's like you know you get to connect with a whole deeper sense of your soul when you're out yeah. of the water you know and and that's that's another thing i want to mention the reason i named my article awake uh, about being on mustro's uh, awakening an ancient mariner i love that title by the way thank you and and that's i i, I feel like that's literally what that boat did for me i i feel like i have I have done that before. You've I have tapped into run. a little past life. I, I absolutely have no question about that in my mind because the, the love I have for certain things that I do on that boat make me feel like I have done them before. I love anything to do with the lines. Really? I, I, I love, you know, uprig. I love downrig. I love setting. I love trimming. I love, and it, it's, the lines that I adore, I and, and I feel like I've been a bosun some at some point, you know. Interesting. Yeah. And I, were were any of of the things that you have to do with that? Uh, did it come almost like second nature, like instantly? You were like, yeah, 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 I got this. I think it took a little while for that to kick in, but on on some level, what you're saying, what you're asking there, absolutely was was yeah. a, was a factor. I I 
I feel so in sync with that boat now that um, it, it it's a familiar feeling of being connected. You know, talking about connecting with whales and connecting yeah, with the soul yeah. of your boat. You know, it's it's that there's just a rhythm and um, a sense of rightness about about sailing and and a boat that you know really well and 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 tom and i can run that boat without 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 words you know we we get off out of the dinghy and we we know exactly what needs to be done when when, who does what part what and and again when, when we're raising the sails you know it's um we might decide who wants to set, you know, who wants to raise the the staysail this time or or whatever. But but it's it all goes it up just, in in sort of that. It, there's some prescribed order, and it's there's it's, a magic about yeah. it, kind of because there's a, you get in sync, you know, mm-hmm. is there's a synchronicity or, uh, uh, um, yeah, it's it's a rhythm and oh, I 100%, 100% understand that. Yeah. I and it's. It's kind of funny because I, you know, like I had said before, I've I've only done two trips on this boat uh, with other people on board, mm-hmm. and the first one I think was a sort of a write off because that was with my father, and it was the first sail, and and so I hadn't done any solo sailing on the boat yet. The second one was an old friend of mine that I hiked on the Appalachian Trail with, and uh, we. You know, at first I had sort of thrown the idea out there thinking, yeah, he's never, ever going to come on this. You know, it's months away before I come up from South Carolina to here and didn't give it much thought. But then he got really on board with it. Hmm. And then I started to panic a little because (laughs) I thought to myself, you know, this is my this is my time to be on the boat and be on the sea and be alone and you know, do the normal thing that I like to do. Your own rhythm. Yeah. And I started thinking, oh man, now I'm going to have to, I'm going to have this other person there and it's not going to be the same. And and finally I sorted my brain out and was like, yeah, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be a different adventure and let's do that because it'll be fun. And it was, I mean, he, he had a little bit of seasickness, but never dampened his spirits or anything mm-hmm. like that. And, um, it was just this experience. He had never been offshore or overnight on a boat. And we did a, I think it was a nine or 10 night passage straight from South Carolina. And we had our record run 214 miles in 24 hours. Wow. Very much helped by a four knot Gulf stream that we, Mm -hmm. we stayed in. So, uh, but it was, you know, it it was a, a nice, unique experience. And there were little doses, you know, when, when he'd be down asleep and I'm up on deck and it's nice and, and all that. But again, for me, there's this attraction and this need or this want, I suppose, to, to go out for extended periods uh, by, by myself. Yourself. I yeah. totally get it. And I honestly, I'm at a point in my life where I honestly i don't think it's going to happen this lifetime but so help me i i someday i am going to have that experience of of being you know i've never done a transatlantic or anything like that and i was just going to ask you are you uh planning to do one my soul yearns for that so much but i'm not a good sleeper and so i just don't think i'm well suited to passages like that 
Really? Yeah. Now, when you say you're not a good sleeper, does that mean I have you... serious sleep issues? So, oh, like I you... have to be able to just you know to sleep sleep at night and have things be pretty calm for me and you know. Oh, really? Well, yeah, the beauty hard. of of offshore sand, and I tell people this all the time, um, is that eventually you will be so tired that you can sleep through the worst gale. Because you're, you know, I've heard that you eventually, uh, and it, it only takes place on the long trips because, you know, even if you're doing like a three day hop, you might be able to get by on just a couple of hours, a little nap here and there. But if you're doing a transatlantic, you know, the first stop might be 14 days away in the Azores. Mm -hmm. And in those 14 days, the, the <laughs> yeah. ocean is going to put you to bed yeah, right. pretty quickly. Right. Uh, it doesn't, I, I can remember. The longest I've ever had to stay awake without any sleep at all, I think, was about 42 hours. Mm. And that was sailing into the Falklands to get a food drop brought out to me. Mm. And really ugly weather. You're in the furious 50s, all that sort of stuff. Wow. And um, by the time I actually did get to sleep, I mean, it was in the middle of a pretty ugly gale. Wow. And I was just, I was so tired that my body was at a point where it was just going to, it it allowed me to stay awake through all the madness of, of being close to land. But essentially, as soon as I was offshore and out of traffic and out of all that, it was boom, yep. right down to sleep. Oh, wow. Amazing. But at the same time, interesting enough, no matter how deep I'm sleeping, if there is an unusual noise, mm -hmm. say a pin drops, a cotter <laughs> pin or something like that, You're gonna it will it. wake me up. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's like Sparrow's way of sort of telling me, yeah. like, hey, something's wrong. You got to do yeah. your checks a little better, buddy. I know. And I, 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 uh, I love, I love thinking about like what is it that makes that possible like what kind of magic is happening that, yeah. that you that the you can be in a deep sleep and still it, it's almost like somebody nudges you you know I, it's weird isn't it yeah I, it's pretty cool i have an example of that and it's sort of a different thing but i so essentially one of the things that people always ask is you know, if you're sleeping on the boat and a squall comes in, you know, that can be, and that's happened to me where I've, I've woken up to the boat lurching over and then the sound of sails shredding and, wow. you know, it's just a nightmare. Very rare, but every once in a while, um, it does happen. And that's typically my own fault because I'm carrying too much sail, um, through a place that I know I shouldn't be doing, like mm. in the doldrums or something. And, but there's been times, and I remember one time very specifically where I was asleep and the dream that I was having, I was with my, I think it was either my dad or my brother, it was one of the two. And in the dream, they were like, you need to wake up. You need to get up because there's oh. a squall coming. And oh, wow. sure enough, it woke me up and I went to the companionway and I looked out and I had about five minutes before a pretty, oh. nothing crazy, but a, a squall. And I had a that you needed to Big attend sail to. up. Yeah, I had to go douse that and put the reef in the main and all that. And, um, you know, it only lasted 20 minutes or whatever. But it was a really strange sort of that coincidence. That is so cool. Not, not a coincidence. Yeah, I not mean. Not a coincidence. That's the brain sort of trying to quantify yeah, it, I suppose. Right. But just we don't know. We don't know all of what's going on. 
Yeah. You really don't. If I were to try and scientifically say, because they're like, that was probably an extreme example, mm -hmm. but there's plenty of other times where I have woken up um, just out of a sleep without an alarm or whatever. I go up and there's a squall coming and I've got a little bit of time. And I, if I were to scientifically try to decipher that, yeah, I would say that, you know, maybe the the temperature of the air or mm -hmm. the pressure in the sure. air changes sure. and All of it. pops me up. All of it. That's true, too. But I like to think that it's actually, <laughs> you know, it's that, that sailor sense of, you know, when you're out at sea for a long time, you get so you do. involved in the world around you. You yeah. do. Yeah. And there's no distractions. And again, I guess that's one of the things that I like about Solo, solo sailing you're not chatting with somebody or you're you, not... you don't get distracted yeah and and again we were talking about being energetic beings you know you don't have another energy that you're you know oh, that's distracting. yeah right right you know it's it's there's a lot of energetic stuff going on between two people because yeah i guess if you if you think of the world around you and mother nature and everything being sort of this energy ether so to speak and then you're just in it you're the only one so you're connected i guess on all sides but if then yeah if you have a second person there and i suppose it wouldn't all be bad like the second person could add to it absolutely for yeah, sure yeah. but when you're all alone though it's complete sure yep it's all around and it's getting into i don't know this has been like a very <laughs> it's been a, like a far out like really kind of an awesome podcast like <laughs> i knew we would get into some some cool stuff i just had a, a feeling i don't know because you know there we are again. i don't i don't normally <laughs> yeah right i don't normally just grab anybody uh off, off the out of the boat yard. yeah and say hey we got you know i i'll throw it out to a lot of people uh but then there's people like you who i'll, I'll you know sort of be like okay so yeah let's schedule one you know, mm -hmm. and give you the phone number and all that sort of stuff. Because um, I, but again, that was intuition. You didn't I think know. So, you yeah. didn't know that I'd swum with whales, and I know I had no idea. And when I when I saw that article and saw Dominica, I was like, I almost didn't want to read the articles because I knew we'd sort of be able to get to know each other just on the podcast talking here. And I like doing that. There's been times where people would come into the marina down in South Carolina and I'd chat with them for a few minutes and be like, Oh my gosh, these guys are great. Uh, let's not talk anymore. Let's do a podcast tomorrow mm, and we'll get to know each right. other on the show. Cause then, then there's no time to get nervous or try and come up with things mm -hmm. to say. Cause I think people sometimes have the idea that they're going to be talking for, you know, an hour straight and have to tell stories Right. And I've always tried to be like, no, it's it's just a conversation, conversation. and we can go yeah. any direction we want. Nice, yeah, we have, <laughs> and we definitely have. Well, and believe it or not, we're we're already at an hour and ten minutes. It's amazing, isn't that crazy? Yeah, goes by really fast. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, usually wrap it up at about an hour, uh, unless you have anything else you you want to share with the world. <laughs> it's not a huge podcast, I'm not going to lie, but it's got a, a fairly few epic, great people that listen to it. Awesome. You know, I really, it's really cool. I feel like we really hit like everything that I would want to say. Nice. You know, I, I, yeah. Yeah, we nailed it. Well, it's been a lovely conversation. and For me too. I can't wait uh 
you know, to to be helping haul you guys out. Uh, yeah, you'll you said, you'll yeah you'll have to come aboard and stuff. And maybe yeah. We'll, uh, what day are you guys aiming for? The the seventeenth. Seventeenth. Okay. Yeah, I'll still be here by then. I hope. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I okay. Typically, it's not until the end of October, and three out of the five times that I've launched here, I've always been delayed for a couple of days because of nor'easters. Ooh. And Dave has to come in on a Saturday or Sunday and launch me. <laughs> and I like that streak. It seems to to work well because once I get offshore, then it's nice. Yeah, so. cool. Well, thank you, Jenny. I really You're appreciate most it. Welcome. This was My so cool. Joy. Yeah. And um, yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy this book. I totally will. I I'll have to, uh, you have to personalize sign it for, it for, for you. Me, yeah, please, for sure. I'll, you know, and it, here's another little coincidence. I don't know if you've met Murph, uh, our our sort of local lobsterman slash bottom painting slash oracle. He lives in a little shack out there. He's a great guy. He's very loud and uh, and uh, I don't think so. Well, he's one of my oh. best friends. Oh, I think I did. I think I did meet him this spring when I was working in the yard. Yeah, yeah if you usually you remember him. Yeah, <laughs> well, super in, nice. In any event, he he sells a lot of these because he's such a talkative guy, very gregarious, you know, very very outgoing. Cool. And good. He has people turn to. I believe it's page sixty nine, which <laughs> yeah, it's Murph. Whatever. Um, but it's about me sighting the whales in the Indian Ocean. <gasps> Weird. Perfect. Yeah, right? Perfect. So there's magic, I'm telling you. <laughs> We're all connected out there. Seriously. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. And uh thanks for the invitation and for making it happen. My pleasure. We'll probably do one again. <laughs>